Coming up on episode 24, he's a loser and she's just a girl. VCV talks two of the most important artists of the 90s. That's next. Sunrise set, we come alive. We could go all night. Years have passed, now we're not that young. We're not too old to have some fun. <laughs> all right. Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse. With me is Sven Don't Speak Knudsen. Sven, how are you? <laughs> it's okay. It's going to be a really stupid podcast if you don't talk. So, <laughs> Okay, I'm out of timeout now. I'm doing well. I'm doing much better than I was last week. My hand is not oozing anymore. Did you have to get stitches? I didn't consult a medical professional. But you can tell pretty quickly if something's going to infect or not. Is it healing? It's definitely slowly healing. I know it's not infected because it's not turning bright red and puffy and i've been putting tons of back please don't get your hand amputated before we record the album that would be really (laughs) or or ever just before the album i'm on my list of goals we are on a new rotation episode 24 we're going around all over again and we are here doing two i don't know do you think classic albums is being a little loose with the term for these two albums yes I think so. I think so too. Even as much as I'm a giant fan of the one I gave you, and to me, it has a special place in music history. I definitely does. I don't know. I think we reserve classics for like the Stevie Wonders, yeah, and the Radioheads. So you know how in the movies the actors will say, you know, I do four for them, one for me. I think this is a one for us. There are massive fans of both these albums, and I think that in yeah. in certain circles they are classics but this is definitely more of a selfish classic album it definitely we're just gonna have to admit it we've been volleying albums back and forth at each other i think with some fairly particular intentions yeah (laughs) the one you lobbed over at me i think probably nailed its target on the head (laughs) um but we'll get to that after we talk your album, yes. the album I gave you. But before we do that, we're going to have to talk about the most important part of the night. Sven, what are you drinking tonight? I hadn't made up my mind yet, so I have a full cooler. I am a, shocked. A fuller, a fuller co- I can show you a photo. I um, actually just reposted it, so. Uh. <laughs> well, I think that I'm going to continue down the line of, of Hop Valley stash beers but i'm gonna upsize it a little bit Love it. to like one that's as big as my head oh and this is a yeah you see yeah. that can it's a giant friggin can 19.2 fluid ounces so it's way over a pint what do you got i, I see this is it limes i see um, back there yeah so i'm going i'm just going simple corona oh um, not to you got me all stoked for like tequila shots or something and no i don't want to ruin anybody's reality but we're actually going to record two episodes tonight by the end of the next episode people have to be able to discern a couple of words of what we're saying <laughs> and that's also why i have this the red bull as big as my head ah. so we're both drinking a lot yes. of fluid ounces I always get hangovers after drinking Red Bull. Yeah, me too. But uh, I feel really good the night before. 
You feel really good. <laughs> I got to stop putting vodka in mine though. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where it'll get you. I don't know why nobody has just decided to officially call that drink the blackout because <laughs> you're not going to remember anything, but you're going to be awake till 5 a.m. So, Dude, someday someone's going to come on and give us an intervention. and I, that's... <laughs> Oh, they're not. You don't get the feedback that I get. They're not. <laughs> the feedback that I get is always like, man, you guys are... Bunch of enablers. Oh, and here's another thing I've been getting some feedback on is um, I've realized that people associate me... <laughs> being quieter with sober. That's actually not what's going on, people. What's going on is you'll notice that there are certain episodes where I'm a little bit quieter, where I'm doing more of the... What's the, what's the voice thing called that, that's big nowadays, listening to, to soft voices? ASMR? Sure, dude. Well, it's some, it's some I, weird thing. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's some weird fetish thing where people listen to well-microphoned voices okay. real soft and it's creepy. But anyway, the nights that I'm talking softer, it is not because I'm sober. It's because I'm in a hotel room and I don't really feel like getting kicked out of my hotel because when I, I know that when I'm like in my own house, I'm loud as fuck. So <laughs> hotel rooms though, they're so well soundproofed and insulated. I mean, you can never hear the room next to you doing it. <laughs> so how are they going to, how are they going to hear you screaming about how much you love big black Delta? Well, let's yeah, talk do. some albums. We are going to take a break and we will be right back to talk about our classic albums. Our selfish albums. Are we ready? Let's get her done. So for this, I gave David an album that I fell in love with in 1995 when it was released. No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom. This was an interesting one to go over because... When you first sent it to me, you're like, what about this one? It's Tragic Kingdom. Everybody knows Tragic Kingdom. But then I thought about it. It's like, no, everybody knows I'm just a girl and spider webs and don't speak. And then I looked up the tracks. Never heard that. Never heard that. Never heard that. Never heard that. So it actually ended up being a really cool. Do I remember this? Do I not remember it? It was it was pretty fun to do, actually. Yeah. It's been a few years since I listened to it all the way through. So when I was giving it a quick playthrough, like I remembered all the songs, but I was like, some of them I thought were from other albums, but yeah. So this album was, as you said at the beginning, released in 95. This was No Doubt's third album produced by a couple people. Interesting. The production credits are a little bit convoluted on this album because it sounds like the one and only Matthew Wilder was executive producer. If y'all don't know who Matthew Wilder is, he is the founder of one of my favorite songs of all time, which is Break My Stride. If that's not on your running good day summer mix, you need to go put it on there right now because nobody's going to break my stride. But who got he w- more credits than Paul Palmer? He's an Interscope guy that did stuff for Bush, which who knows? Maybe that's how her and uh, what's his face He's met. Just like a label guy? Because I don't even know that name. How do I not even know that name? If you look up his credits. That's not- I'm learning stuff today. No doubt Bush, a couple other randos. Yeah. If you listen to No Doubt's first couple of albums, it's all over the place. It's not bad, 
In fact, we even mentioned in the drumming episode, Brent brings up Beacon Street, which is the album before Tragic Kingdom. Their rhythm section, it's an extremely tight rhythm section. Yeah. Tony and Adrian are locked. They're very L.A., very much trying to, you know, find their own sound. I'm trying not to make this a no doubt dissection, but it's hard. And honestly, I don't really see us ever talking about no doubt again until we do 90s specific years in rocks. Right. It was originally Eric Stefani and Gwen's project together when Matthew Wilder and the when that kind of major label production side became a bigger part of it, Eric got pissed and he quit. Which I was thinking, man, that's got to suck to leave a band and, and it becomes huge. But do you know what he ended up doing? Huh. He ended up being an animator for The Simpsons. Well, that's a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> right? Left no doubt. Oh, that sucks. Well, I'll just be an animator for the biggest show that ever, ever existed. So that's kind of how No Doubt came to be. It's such a mid-90s album. Yeah. It's this weird mixture of ska and rock and if you look on discogs it's the kitchen sink under the genre field right it's like rock reggae funk soul pop (laughs) yes let's just go down the line and check all the boxes it's not lying they give you a little bit of everything i think that's why i got so into them as a teenager because i was a little add i was all over the place and so it's like every other track was kind of a different field different Mm -hmm. genre yeah, there's just it, it wasn't that common for the pop bands of this time to be all that talented. This was the time of yeah. Insomniac by Green Day and and Everclear and bands like that that were not just power chord bands but three chord bands. Kind of yeah, which I love, but this wasn't that. Coming out of like the Nirvana grunge era. The pissed off, dark, and, somber. And the, the, you know, yeah. it, this is kind of 95 was when the grunge stopped being so heavy and started being a little more Temple the Dog and Mad Season. And Alternative. Super depressing. Yeah. At this point, ska music was still very much like an underground thing. It hadn't gotten like the full attention yet. The little bits of ska that you hear in here, like that side of punk music no doubt was kind of my introduction to a lot of that yeah it was kind of like this peek into something out of grunge that was a lot of what i listened to was grunge and metal and then this was like this way to navigate and discover new things and lead me kind of on to more ska had it hasn't aged terribly but it hasn't aged well right this is the way it's done right Right. it's real subtle on the brass it's real heavy on the bass and drums everything's super crisp that poppy snare yeah and the tempo quick bouncy tempo it ended up working i think the most prominent song one of the best ska songs to come out of that era was spiderwebs yeah spiderwebs is such an incredibly good track one side one era song yeah you hear it and you immediately know oh this is mid 90s yeah this is when the mid 90s was this was good yeah and this was when like okay so i'm a saxophone player at this point in my life i'd been a saxophone player for like four or five years but i was only about two years into playing guitar the reason i picked up guitar nobody wanted horns in a damn band I couldn't go play music yeah. with my freaking saxophone unless I played in a jazz band. And I'm like, I want to play rock music. And nobody wanted a saxophone player. 
then this album comes out with all of its horns and everything and i'm like fuck i just live in a shitty town for music or these people get it i could play a saxophone in a band if it wasn't for that whole mid-90s revival of bands like this and you said goldfinger real big fish even dave matthews if it wasn't for bands like that adding horns back in Mm -hmm. stuff that you and i were trying to do when we were 17 and 16 we would have never been trying to do that shit no And honestly, we would have never been half the musicians that we are now because when we were 16, we were like, fuck, we should have violins in our band and saxes and trombones and shit like that. And that makes you such a better musician. When you're like a teenager and you roll into a gig with not only like a couple guitar players, bass player, drummer, but then you've got horns. You've got a horn section in your band. People are like, wait a minute. Wait, we we actually might need to pay attention to these guys. Yeah, exactly. They're like, wait a minute. I never thought of it like that, but that's funny. That's true. (laughs) Did you like or listen to Beacon Street, the album previous to this, or Return to Saturn, the album after this? Do you know those at all? Were you a fan of them? I'm more familiar with with Return to Saturn. Mm -hmm. Beacon Street, I did listen to. Tragic Kingdom was the first No Doubt album for me. Yeah. I think for I did, 99% of people, it's the first one they ever heard. Yeah, I'm sure definitely true. Beacon Street was one that I went back to. It wasn't until like 2000 or something like that, which I liked better than Saturn's Return. Oh, really? It was kind of one of those like going backwards did more for me than going forwards. Their next album and the next album and the next album taking. Ultimately, it went way away from Gwen went way away from where I thought she was originally headed (laughs) um which is a whole nother discussion yeah and i don't know that we should have that because i've had my head bitten off for no let's talk it because we my opinion we might as well talk about (laughs) it i'm not gonna i don't want to spend a bunch of time trying to figure out what the fuck happened to no doubt i think it's pretty obvious gwen stefani turned out to be a brand and she took advantage of it. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. She just knew where the money was at. Who knows? Did she leave her band behind? Or did the band themselves say like, fuck it, we're good. This is too much for us. I mean, the album after Return to Saturn, was it Rocksteady or something like that? Yeah. Could you imagine being a fucking band member of that in that album? Like, did they get to play? Exactly. Who who got to play on that album? That's I would have been like, fuck this. Have fun. Go do your holler back, girl, because I'm not doing this shit. Yeah. It felt like they just showed up for the video shoot you're a model at this point and and this is where i got my ass chewed a little bit for saying some of these things and and i don't know how much the band was involved in any of the creative Mm -hmm. i don't know if drum sequences were actually like i don't know i made some comment to my wife something along the lines of hollow batgirl or something like that came on i was like man i can't believe what happened to gwen stefani she used to be so good And she was like, what do you mean used to be? Well, like, this is totally not Gwen Stefani. Oh, God. I should never have said that. Well, why would that get you in trouble? Well. It's true. This is not Gwen Stefani. She said, well, that's who she is. This is who she's chosen to be. Oh, I see. How can you say that this is not Gwen? I had to, like, backpedal really, really quickly. I chose the wrong words. What I meant was... I fell in love with a certain sound and a certain music. Her voice, the way she sings, her her vibrato fit that style. It's just the nostalgia from Tragic Kingdom. To me, that was golden age of no doubt. Yeah. She made creative decisions to depart from that course. Who am I? I don't have any Grammys. I don't, I'm not a recording, you know. You know, that's true. Who am I to say like, that's not Gwen Stefani? That's true. And I I get that. 
I completely understand that point, and it's correct. For all we know, Gwen Stefani, her whole vision in the 90s was someday I'm going to make hella good and holla back girl, yeah. and that's the type of music that I want. But, you know, I don't like Gwen Stefani. Her music is terrible to me. It's right up there with Fergie. It's and bananas. It's just, exactly. That's who Gwen Stefani was to me until you gave me this album and reminded me, holy fuck, you know what? There was a time in the 90s. She's fucking awesome on this album. Yeah. She's a rebel. It's, she's so good on this. I love it. Yeah. In my mind, I had turned it into, you know, no doubt was this amazing band that kind of survived with Gwen Stefani. Fuck no, dude. Gwen Stefani made this album what it was. Yeah. So I completely understand what you're saying because it's the same thing for me as being a fan of of a band like fucking Weezer. Mm-hmm. Where you love them so much, and then all of a sudden they change, and you feel all of a sudden affronted. the green album, you f- yeah, <laughs> and you feel personally offended. Like, why did you do this to me? Which is right. bullshit. They can do whatever they want, but yeah, I I completely get it. I mean, you think about like just this album alone; it oozes with so much female empowerment and all these things that are still like current relevant topics. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, why did you have to change? You still had a really strong voice. There's still people that love this music. Yeah. But perhaps it was chasing a larger audience. I thought they'd be around for a while. I, I liked this album okay, but I liked the hits. I really liked Return to Saturn. That was a little bit more rock and a little bit more yeah. flushed out. This album's good, but it's not great. And there's, boy, there's a lot of filler on this album. Yeah. A lot. And I don't think it helps, too, that this album is just shot out of a fucking cannon. The first four songs are bam, 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 bam. And then it's kind of, wait, 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 wait. Uh, yeah. What are we doing here? Spiderwebs. Excuse me. Excuse me. Mister was one of my other favorite ones. Yeah, that's um, good. Uh, number three is I'm Just a Girl, right? And then there's and then- Happy Now. Different People was weird. I see what you're saying. Like, it kind of changes gears there. Different People um, as some of the worst fucking lyrics. I'm not so, so many like the, different people. Yeah. <laughs> the sky is full of clouds and my world's full of people. Yeah. I like the message. It's a pretty message, but boy, those, those are not. It's not mm-hmm. lying. <laughs> both statements both true. It's true. Unless yeah. it's a cloudless day. It's not, it's not great. And, and, and then Hey You, <laughs> I think I enjoy Hey You a little bit still. The Climb is kind of one of those ones that even right now, I'm like, I see it listed on the track listing and I can't sing it in my head. It's very blah until they get to 16. And I remember- 16 gets back to- 16's good. Sunday Morning well, is good. See? Sunday Morning reminds me. I Sunday remember mornings. Brent Berg used to f- warm up to that song all the time. So that song always reminds yeah. me of Brent. And it's tight. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. As far as a, a mid '90s rock, it's this just had its finger on the pulse of the times so well. And Gwen, the, the band was amazing. Yeah. Gwen kicked fucking ass. She was perfect. One last thing, I love the order of tracks because the second to last track is ended on this. Mm-hmm. Who puts the title track at the Which end? Which is this right? weird fucking, I don't remember what it was. They had some weird thing going on with Disney. Tragic Kingdom is one of my favorite songs on Tragic Kingdom. This is very obviously a breakup album. Which, by the way, how about making a breakup album 
with the two people that are breaking up in the fucking band. How the hell does that work? <laughs> That's good. Right? Could you imagine playing to back to the girl that's singing about you fucking dumping her? Like, uh, oh man, this is... Weren't they touring this when she started dating Gavin from Bush? Probably. How weird, Probably. Is, how, how weird would that be? So that's Tragic Kingdom. Gwen Stefani and the boys from No Doubt. I had legitimately forgotten that there was a point in time where Gwen Stefani was a badass. And, and yeah, that's me. I don't think she is really anymore, but that's just because I'm, you know, narrow-minded and dumb. Um, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Exactly. I am bananas. Let's go on to awards and categories. We're going to start with the David Crosby Meh Amazon Album <laughs> Review Award. I love the renamed yes, award. Yes. I, I just... bet Evil likes it too. Kevin gave this one out of five stars and his review was titled Sellouts. This review was written in 2001. So I feel like in regards to this album, revisionist historying this. Here's the, I just, this review just makes me happy. Your, your face makes me happy to hear this review. <laughs> I can't wait. No doubt are the biggest sellouts <laughs> I've ever seen. If you look on the first album in the lower left hand corner, it reads bought and sold out in the USA. What does that tell you? <laughs> and so, okay. That was, was that it? That was it. <laughs> tell me there's more. No, that's it. That is the most <laughs> well thought out. I love his, his exhibit a influences and influences. <laughs> I I've got a new one for you here for under influences. Uh, I think LA, this is such a, LA influenced okay. album to me. Okay, okay. It's the vibe from the city. The mid nineties what people were doing. Checkered vans and yeah. influencees a lot of a lot of bands after this. I haven't connected enough of like no doubts influences, but I do hear this album echoed in other later nineties bands. Yep. And um, and Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Gwen Stefani being in an influence herself to a lot of artists for worse or better fine winer skunk beer award i think it's kind of in the middle i think it's a fine wine in that kind of what we talked about where this is such a good genre album anytime you put this in in 50 years you're like oh remember 95 because this is that for me it's a fine wine because if someone's ever like no doubt who's no doubt well this is the album i'm gonna play them well and, and it's also you know you say spider webs and i think even most people that are young nowadays are like oh, oh yeah. i know that song i know yeah. the spider web song yeah. i mean like who in the 90s didn't try making that their um leave a message at the tone like pre-recorded <laughs> message right never mind the bullocks award do you think this was by far their best album uh, yes i kind of figured you would think that maybe it was <laughs> i feel like i can't say it too confidently but yes i actually think that return to saturn is better than this this is the most historically important album but i actually i like return to saturn mm -hmm. better john paul jones award do you have anyone or anything that you'd add to this no i think that's part of what i love about it is the combination of people that played on this even like the extra people they brought in for like you know, extra like yeah. string instruments, like they had a cello and like different horn players that came in that weren't in the north. Yeah. The only thing that I said is I actually might have wanted to hear even more brass on this. I'm talking like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy or Aquabat brass, real heavy. It might have added some more texture to a couple of the very blah songs on this album. John Popper Award. Do you have a best hook? It's like a tie. I was about to say Spider Webs. 
But I think just a girl too. Like I remember dudes singing that, like, which is. Yeah. My best hook is spider webs. It's just, it's a great hook that gets stuck in your head for fucking five years. Eddie Van Halen award. This just speaks to the whole band. There's a part in excuse me, mister, where they break into this two-step Dixie. Yeah. It's so out of left field and tight and awesome. I already said this, but it wasn't in the nineties fashion to be that crisp of a band. You can't break into a Dixie two-step if you are not a really, really talented band. That little part is a whole insight into how good that band was. Yeah. You know, you know the song I really love the brass on? is World Go Round. Oh, yeah, it is good. In there. It's like this warm brass that then swells up and comes. I don't know. They, plus, just hearing a big old baritone sax sometimes just that revs my engine. You know, we make fun of the different people song, but the bass in that is so good. Surfer Rosa Ward, I don't think so. I think this is a very top-heavy album. Yeah, I love the whole thing pretty evenly. It's spread. Side A got way more attention. So yes. in that regard, yeah, like... I don't speak is probably the only thing on the B side that people really could for name, sure. Right. Time of your life award. I'm saying, Hey, you, I find that song really, really annoying, particularly the chorus. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to change my answer to, Hey, you, it was going to be, you can do it, but that song's annoying too. I'm going to agree with you though. I'm changing my <laughs> answer to, Hey, you yeah. three best songs on the album, Sven, what you got? Coming in at number three for me is Tragic Kingdom. Okay. Two is Just a Girl. And one is the first track, Spiderwebs. I like it. My three best songs are number three, 16. Rhythm section, just amazing in that song. I love the intro to that song. Yes. Yeah. Number two is actually different people. Mm. Terrible lyrics, but man, it's so fun. The beginning of that song too. And then that bass line kicks in. Really good. And then my number one is Spiderwebs. It got them famous for a reason. It's a spectacular song. Okay, Sven, who won this album? Gwen Stefani, because I feel like she wouldn't have launched into the career that she had without this album. I might be sad about some of the path that that took, but I'm still happy that it happened, and I'm happy that we have this album for it. So I have two winners. My number one is Ska. This is one of the very few ultimately incredibly impressive things to come out of the Ska genre. The other winner for me is Gwen. She's so good on this album. It fixed my own revisionist history about her. She's just fantastic in this. She's so good. I feel like she sings differently on this album than all of the other albums. If you listen to her vocal technique. Rate the album. So speaking to that, I am rating this actually six out of 10 exaggerated vibratos. There are really, really good songs on this. Great things about this album, but there's so much filler. And that to me kind of takes it down a notch. Uh, What about you, Sven? Are you ready for this? I am. 10. 10 out of 14. Yeah, I figured it was something like that. (laughs) All right. So that is Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. I have a feeling that with the exception of the rock years, this is the last time we'll be talking about them, but we'll see. Thank you, Sven, for giving me this album. This was, this was a trip back down memory lane. It was fun. All right. We are going to take a break and then we are going to get on up with our second album of the night. You're Lucy Goosey. Um, For this week, I gave Spend one of my all-time favorites, Sea Change by Beck. 
Um, <laughs> I want to start this off with with a disclaimer. Do with it. The same it. advice that I give to people when they come up to me and for the first time say, I'm thinking about trying mushrooms. You got any advice? Mm. What I always say is, if there's something bothering you in life, oh. or you suffer from bouts of depression, exactly where this or is you're going. not yes. right with some of the choices you've made, perhaps don't. Sort your shit yes. out and then circle back. Because mm -hmm. just like psilocybin, this album I feel could totally give Fuck you a bad you trip. Up. Yes. Right now, as somebody who has sustained extended periods of depression, I listen to it and I'm still alive. It won't kill you to listen to it, but oh my good god! Yeah, um, make sure you you take some breaks to go listen to Casey and the Sunshine Band or something. You probably could have been able to tell very early on how much of a David album this is. Just oh. by <laughs> <laughs> like three bars into the Golden Age. <laughs> oh, fuck. I know what David is doing to me. This is payback for Charlie Puth and fun for fu every for pop. Another album that we're going to talk I've about soon. You. Yeah. Oh, come on. That one's good. <laughs> right off the bat, I'm like, okay, okay. It's singer songwriter style. I'm just going to buckle up. And I know that this album is going to be one of those mm -hmm. acoustic guitar and singer, right? with supporting yeah. production instrumentation things like that golden age starts out just like that with the slight mm -hmm. little cowboy vibe which to me is new i was kind of i thought you said this was a beck album this is what i love about beck though is you know if you think of beck in terms of before this more of the mutations it's a little Beckish, uh -huh. but the fact yeah. that the album before this was Midnight Vultures, which is the exact opposite end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. that's why I fucking love Beck. You right. cannot get more different than those two albums. Yes. That's another disclaimer I should tag on before I dive too much deeper. I'm a huge Beck fan and a huge admirer. Fan is the wrong word. I'm an admirer. And I think that's one of the reasons why A, yeah. I was in such a hurry to give this to you and B, I consider it a classic album. I couldn't believe that you hadn't listened to this before. <laughs> Avoid stuff with this vibe. Okay. <laughs> Not that it isn't good. It just sometimes puts me in a mental space I, I don't like being in. Which I totally get. This is a hard album to soak in. That speaks to the power of his writing and how good he is at what mm -hmm. he does. If I sound critical of this album as I start talking through it, it's from that perspective. Like, I really do feel like Beck is one of the most incredible writers, composers, and think about, like, two turntables and a <laughs> microphone and then connect the dots to get to this album. That's the same fucking person. Yes. Especially people that start out making, you know, like, they're one dude with two turntables and a microphone or, like, basically, like, you know, looping. That's where all the original Beck... The loser was built on acoustics and real drums, but it was still looped. And it was still... It was looped. Yeah, it was still very yeah. hip-hop Samples and, and then... Yeah. Yeah. And then you arrive at Sea Change, recorded over two months. God bless that sound engineer that sat in that freaking studio with <laughs> him for two months straight. This definitely does not have an L.A. vibe. It's like a Wyoming vibe mixed with a little New York. I think Midnight Vultures was very L.A. And this is more... I don't know how well you know Cali, but more southern, more like Venice Beach, where all those kind of semi-rich people go to be sad and think of Portland with the coffee and the hipsters and all that sort of stuff. But then 
put it on the coast, and that's yeah. Venice Beach. This reminds me of like if Waylon Jennings and Elliot Smith. That's a good collabed on a good. project. Just so people know, this was made in 2002. Like we said, this was made right after Midnight Vultures. It's pretty much all about a breakup with a longtime girlfriend. It was produced by Nigel Goodrich. Uh, Godrich, sorry, who, if you don't know who he is, quick Google search. He's worked with all the fucking Radiohead, and he's a very David E. producer. Yeah. Going back to the cowboy vibe, right? It's singer-songwriter, but he adds this little bit of, and this is kind of, this kind of laced throughout the whole album. There's a little bit of slide guitar mixed with his acoustic. But he, he leaves in just enough of like these little synth parts yep. and bells and things that let you know, like, no, this is still Beck. You were for sure yeah. still listening. And then he'll have the little he'll have little um, xylophone parts and he'll have Yeah, the little bing. And then you get to Paper Tiger, which is this weird kind of 60s soul. I don't even know what the fuck because that is one funky ass bass line. And I'm so like, funky. I love this funky ass bass line. And then he'll say something out of his mouth like, no more ashes to ashes, no more cinders from the sky, all the laws of creation, tell a man how to die. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm one foot in the grave, dude. Cool. <laughs> man, he's citing lyrics. He's calling old Beck songs. He's doing, man, Sven's killing it on this one. This was my recurring experience, <laughs> like song after song through the whole album. Guess I'm doing fine. Yeah, I think so. I'm so far. I mean, it's, it's only lies I'm living. It's only tears I'm crying. It, you know, it's only you I'm losing. Guess I'm doing fine. Yeah. Clearly a breakup album, a, a lost, I lost somebody album. I guess I didn't know the, the full details. So I'm like, somebody died or someone broke up with him. Like he's, he's missing somebody hardcore in this album. Lonesome Tears. Oh, man, that is a powerful song. Yeah. I don't know who does his string ar arranging. I want to hope it's but him. It is. But yeah. I think his dad's a composer, so uh, it might be him. He might have just grown up doing that shit. How it builds to the, uh, the strings at the end of this. By the end, the strings have built to this cacophony of echoey. I don't know. It's fantastic. And then it releases yeah. into this echoey ambient kind of thing it is beautiful i really yeah. wish we could play parts from this album so bad but they're in the second verse at this point in the second verse the strings the lower strings we're talking cello and there might even be a viola in there towards yeah. the end of the verse he's saying you know oh it ruins me every time and when he says that those strings dive down really slow yeah. Uh -huh. There are little pockets of gems through this whole album like that, that whoever the fuck is thinking of that is just unbelievably brilliant. Yeah. All you like beginner or even intermediate, like upcoming producers and sound engineers, right? Listen to how it starts out so simple. Mm -hmm. It's very sparse with the guitars and the string like and like just some acoustic real strumming. light high hat it's very sparse yes it's leaving so much room for all those other things this is like on the production side of this like whoever mixed this got what he was doing when he arranged the instrumentation i think and the way that they mm -hmm. left so much space that gets filled in by the end it's so important lonesome tears to me is 
genius on that level as well as the way Beck writes. Lost Cause right after that is another one that kind of... It made me think it was like on a movie soundtrack or something. So I don't know if it was. It's so Lost Cause Lost, from... I don't know if it was a movie. I'll tell you that that was the only semi-hit from this. So you probably heard it on the radio once or twice. Okay. Because it has that vibe. It's like yes. this would be really great on, a, on like a movie or something. It just keeps going down this this depressing, lonely road, though. End of the day, there's some cool walking bass lines in End of the Day that really cool. that really grabbed me. It's it's like bubbly in like this pretty way, but that's about as positive as it gets. Yeah, kills sure. me like it did before. <laughs> I know this album back and forth. As yeah. I'm sure you can imagine, I've listened to this album 18 times a year for the last 15 years. But is it's right. all in your mind, the one where the chorus has the, I wanted to be your I wanted to be your good friend. Yeah. I wanted to be, I wanted to be your good friend. It's this real light, not minor song, yeah. but just hearing him sing in this really light, I wanted to be, I wanted to be your good friend. That is so fucking heartbreaking. Someone needs to give him a hug. I hope I never go through heartbreak that makes me want to write something like this. Not that I could, but like that I would want to. Like, holy The f- tortured artist in me would give my fucking left nut to be able to write this album. Oh my I just good <laughs> God, dude. Like, once the album's done, you just, like I'd feel like I'd be left with a shitty, horrible, hollow life. Or maybe it's therapy, man. Maybe this is, you know, Perhaps, maybe this yeah. is what got him through it. Likely true. I know that that's definitely a thing. Um, therapy through, you know, creation and art. It just keeps getting darker from here. You think Already Dead is darker? Great poetry, <laughs> but fuck. Like, when you write, know, like, people but... pushing harder up against themselves, make their daggers sharper yeah. than their faces tell... That's poetic, but it makes it's, it's me beautiful. so uneasy with people. I'm impressed by how well he can connect to a listener. I was fighting. I was fighting so hard to not get sucked in, and I got sucked in. Like, he's good. I just keep going back to it, and sorry, I think I've said it three times already, but to think of, do you know the Midnight Vultures album pretty well? Fairly. Do yourself a favor, and even just to get out of the sea change funk, Yeah, and you're on vacation anyway, listen to Midnight Vultures. It is the most fun, fucking, very purposefully LA, we're gonna party sort of album. To have the ability to write that and then write this, it's uncanny to me. My notes for the rest of the album kind of keep, they're they're pretty much the same like i don't know that i well, have just a whole like lot. the album does it's just it's, gonna it's, keep it's, it's just gonna keep it. going um yes. i think the one the one unique thing that i had a glimmer of like oh maybe some resolution no 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 two seconds later i'm like no no it's not sunday sun for like half a second i was a little hopeful okay cool uh, no no this is just like a depressing version of what casio thinks a bossa nova beat should sound like <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> I do love the way he builds on it. This was my favorite vocal track. The layered vocals and the piano. I don't know if it's two pianos, pianos, keys. Like there's this momentum that it creates. Mm-hmm. It, it's got a lot of forward momentum. To me, it yeah. felt like, okay, this is where he starts digging out of the hole. He's going to give us the last three songs or how he digs out of this pit of loneliness and heartbreak. Not quite. No, but Little One reminds me a little bit of Nirvana. 
don't know if anyone else would pick up on this. I can totally, I can see that. The chord choices and the melody that he chooses to sing over the chords on, I think it's the verse. Yeah. But it's very Kurt Cobain-ish. Yeah. Like the, Absolutely. The chord changes especially. Nirvana could have covered it and people would have been like, that's a Nirvana song. But The uniqueness of what he's doing with the acoustic guitar in this, the kind of weird plucking mm-hmm. of the high strings into the real, real big chorus it's this real eerie soft ominous yeah this is what happens if willie nelson quit smoking weed (laughs) beck is beck is a genius this album was very hard for me but i'm very fortunate that i actually it was totally not on my radar like when you sent this to me i was like no like i knew he had an album called sea change had no intent of listening to it but i'm glad that i got that opportunity because Anyone that knows everything else that Beck has done, I think, should give this a try. Like, even if it's not your thing, give it a playthrough. It really helps you understand the artist so much better. For you younger people that really, really enjoy Morning Phase, his album that came out in, what, 15, 14? This is pre-Morning Phase. This is 12 years before Morning Phase came out, and this is, to me, what what prefaced that. Jesus. This is... The, if it wasn't yeah. for sea change, there would definitely be no morning phase. I don't know for me if I love it so much just because it's such a brilliant album. I don't know if it's because when I did hear this album, I was in an extremely dark, pivotal point in my life. And I'm not sure yeah. that an album has ever spoken to me the way that this one had. I don't know which one it is, uh, but either way. This, this totally brings question to mind. Because I know people have, we're all a little different. So if you're in that dark place, it sounds to me like this actually is like therapy for you. Listening to something like this is like, you connect with it because you can relate. It's a positive yes. for you emotionally and, and mentally, right? I am okay with wallowing. Yeah. I don't know if it's masochism. I don't know what it is, but I kind of need that pain every once in a while. Yeah. I think it's just the tortured artist in me. I mean, you know me. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I write uh-huh. a lot of music. You are good at it. And it's darker stuff. I think there's just something about specific people that you need that to survive. You need to feel that pain. When I'm in a dark place in my life, take a walk in the evening and I turn yeah. this album on, a lot of people are thinking, Jesus, this guy's trying to kill himself. No, I'm just trying to get in that zone that helps me deal with the specific emotions that I have. And I don't know, I'm doing a very bad job of explaining yeah. it. But the flip side for me is that like, when I'm in that mental space or emotional space that's tortured, lonely and dark, I feel like that's when I take on other people's baggage as if it's my own way too easily. So when I start listening to someone else in that space. Your problem is, Sven, you need to be like me and be apathetic. Stop having empathy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this was a happy, I I mean, I guess I don't know what I was expecting. Hey, I'm laughing at the end here. Happy old sea change for you. I just hope that like if, Anyone who likes Beck's more livelier stuff, um, don't just write this off. I, I just want to encourage people to give it a chance. I mean, dude taught me Spanish. <laughs> Soy un perdedor. I did not know <laughs> until that song, How I'm a Loser. All right, let's get into awards and categories. 
Let's get into the uh-huh. David Crosby Met Award. <laughs> Man, there were a lot of bad Amazon reviews. Well, because everybody was coming off of Midnight Vultures, and they're like, "What the Anytime fuck is this? any <laughs> any band or musician takes a sharp left turn, you're gonna hear about it." So, D. A. Parks gave this one out of five stars. Not since the time. This was written in 2011. So again, I don't understand these people that come in like six and the seventh hour and they start doing this. Like they're just way late to the game. That's weird. The title is not since David Bromberg came and went, which (laughs) why are you choosing this review to shit on David Bromberg? Yeah. So not since David Bromberg came and went, have I been so repulsed by someone's singing voice. And it's so much worse when as here, the person singing Beck thinks he's sounding really great and revels in it. Okay. Wow. Because you know, the, (laughs) Like if you've ever heard, ever listened to a self-indulgent album, this is definitely it. Him and his croning that he does in this. Um, And he's not a guy who should be relying on his vocals. Others call it a narcoleptic drone, but that doesn't convey the sickening sense I got that Beck is immensely self-satisfied with the sound coming out of his mouth. I cannot begin to fathom the people in evidently Rolling Stone magazine who raved about this CD. Did they allow family members to write reviews for Amazon? Beck agents? A few nice moments with the cellos, but other than that, please let me sell you my copy of Sea Change. In fact, send me postage and it's yours. By the way, I own and like Odele. <laughs> of course he owns and I don't know. Likes. Was that last part just saying I'm not just a Beck hater? I actually... I think I think that's it. It's like, I, I like that one, uh, that one album from way back mm-hmm. when. And he tried to do publicly what, what I kind of did with No Doubt Tragic Kingdom and like... Yeah, Gwen Stefani changed. Blah, 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 blah. Luckily, I did that privately and got my ass chewed privately. This guy just like well, it's not private anymore, Sven. <laughs> I guess that's true. But I like Odile. <laughs> Which... The whole self-satisfied. This is all about his voice. Did you no get that at I'd... all from this? Yeah, no. This wasn't like Beck trying to feature his voice in any way. We've gone through a lot of the influences and influences already, as we always do. I I do. I hear a lot of the old man country and, um, God, what was the song with the harmonica? There was one that I'm like the harmonica. Seriously. Guess I'm doing, guess I'm doing fine. Harmonica just made me fucking cry at the end there. Like, Oh my God. Very good stuff. Fine wine or skunk beer. You know, my answer here. What about you? Um, this is a hard one. Part of me is fine wine. Part of me also just can't wait for it to just be a thing of the past. Um, you know what I mean, right? No, I it's, totally It's do. like a very, it's a very uncomfortable fine wine. I get what you're saying. Yes. And maybe I'm just being biased. That's something that would make it a fine wine. If it's something that has the ability to rock you that much, it can't mm-hmm. be a skunk beer. That would be if you turn this on and be like, wow, this right. is cheesy shit. This is... Never mind the Bullocks Award. I can't... Look... I will tackle within myself if this is my favorite Beck album when we get to a Beck dissection. I'm not ready to do that yet. (laughs) I doubt that it's your favorite Beck album, right? It's not my favorite Beck album, but is it the best Beck album? I I don't know. I feel like my favorite doesn't have to make it the best or worst. That's very true. I feel this is the most personal and the most... This is an album that sucked me in. Mm -hmm. Like no other Beck album sucks me into it his head and his mood 
how, the way this one did. How much time did you spend on Morning Phase, the album Morning Phase? I don't know. The, I probably have spent more time on Sea Change now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's definitely not a Nevermind with Bullocks. This is not by far his best album. He's done too many different great things for this to be. Yeah. This is his masterpiece. I mean, to me, it's yeah. a masterpiece that, that doesn't belittle. You know how many times I've heard people say like the next Beck album, he's working on a masterpiece. The next one's his masterpiece. Like he's had like, I don't know how many he's masterpieces had like five now. of them. Yeah, he really had. And they're Beck albums that I don't like. Not, not don't like, but that I don't love. I yeah. think one of his latest ones I wasn't a fan of. But yeah. you're right though. There are so many albums of his that are just amazing. Yeah, yeah. John Paul Jones Award. I would add nothing to this, but uh, you you may sing a different tune. Give me some Waylon Jennings on some of it. And I feel like actually, maybe not specifically like Waylon, but that kind of a voice. If there would have been somebody with a deeper kind of bass voice yeah, to kind of go with Beck on a couple of the songs, that might have been kind of cool. Something to give it a little... I don't know. It's so dark. Maybe that wouldn't have been fitting. John Popper Award. What's... <laughs> oh, I don't have... A... <laughs> That's nothing catchy. There was... I actually think the Lost Cause is a really good hook. Baby uh, or a Lost Cause. Lost Cause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, Eddie Van Halen Award. Uh, do you have an Eddie Van Halen award? That was that shredding solo. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, no, no, I don't. I don't have an Eddie Van Halen award. So mine is the cello and lonesome tears. Okay. Just heart wrenching. Surfer Rosa award to me, it's not. No. There's no specific part of this album that stands out more than the other to me at all, which I think is great. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Time of your life award. Do you have a worse song on this album? If I got a pick, it's already dead. Gotcha. <laughs> I could see yeah. Sven getting to that song and be like, okay, I can't. This is, there's a limit. I'm to there. My, yeah. it's, I'm already done. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Stop. You predicted the future. Here's how much I love this album. If I had to pick, my least favorite song on this album is It's All in Your Mind. And I love the song It's All in Your Mind. So it's just the one. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't have a song that I don't like on this album. Three best songs in this album. I'll go first. My third favorite is Paper Tiger. It's sultry and it's dark. It's a really cool song. Uh, my number two is Little One. I love mm. the eerie, dark, ominous. And then my number one is Lonesome Tears. Lonesome Tears is just one of the most heart-wrenching songs ever, and it's amazing. Uh, what about you? Wow, I, we're not that far off. My number three, like three was Little One. My number two is I'm Doing Fine, question mark. Like it? Um, like it? And I actually picked Paper Tiger as my favorite. Um, it's a, such a good song. It, it is. It. I think... Um, and you know, I think that's fitting because I think that might be the least depressing right. song. It on is the, album. the the most familiar Beck out of yeah. the whole thing, and then it's got that funky bass line that I like. Paper Tiger, awesome. Woo! Who won the album, Sven? Uh, David. David, listen. <laughs> I knew you. I knew wins you were say this that. fucking album. <laughs> you done win it. I love that. <laughs> I am saying Beck. He had done his brilliant loser stuff. He had done Odelay and Mutations, which Mutations was brilliant. He had come out with Midnight Vultures. And this, to me, was 
proof that he was one of the greatest songwriters of my lifetime. Right. Rating this album, if I was being selfish, I would give this a 10 out of 10 because this is probably top five favorite David albums of all time. But I do recognize that it's extremely specific in who's going to want to listen to it and when, and you can't just pop this on. So I give it a nine out of 10 extremely bad breakups. Ooh. Um, I'm going to give it 17 out of 24 anythings. (laughs) <laughs> anything you pick it doesn't matter it doesn't life matter. is meaningless i'm gonna fucking go crawl in a hole now and cry myself to sleep but that's it those are our classic albums for episode yes. 24 our very selfish classic albums there's got to be fans of no doubt and beck so I, i'm not too worried about it join us next week next week's gonna be fun next week is going to be the first official episode with all four of us Rachel, Sven, Evil, David. And we're just going to shoot the shit about our favorite albums. We want everybody to get a taste of what our music is. David will just talk about Sea Change again. Uh, It's going to be really fun. Sven's just going to go on about Hanson. Hanson, Van Halen, 1989, and Sea Change. It's going to (laughs) be great and completely unexpected. Versecourseverse.com, at Pod. Keep writing, keep messaging on Insta. We love it. All you yeah. bands keep giving me shit to listen to, and I'll check it out. You got anything else, Sven? I think I'm fried. I'm I'm a lost cause. Well done. Let's well done. Call it done. All right, we will see you next week. Oh.